Welcome to the Radiant Church Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Grab a Bible or open up your favorite Bible app as we get into God's Word together. Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us again this Sunday. Um, I'm very excited this morning because today we are beginning a brand new series through the book of Galatians. Um, The book of Galatians is one of the Pauline epistles, which means that the Apostle Paul wrote this book. And I'm excited to dive into it because not only does it contain glorious truth, but it has practical applications for how we are to then live our lives in light of who Jesus is, what he's done, and then who we are now in him. And so I want you to know that this is a little bit of a different book. This is a fierce letter. You're going to hear some strong language. You're going to hear the passion of the Apostle Paul about one simple thing, and that is the truth of the gospel. This word, the gospel, has been tossed around. There's conferences, there's books, there's blogs, all explaining what is the gospel. And so even though it's everywhere, it can be hard to understand what is this simple truth of the gospel. Well, the book of Galatians is perfectly timed for us in this season because the Galatians church was a young church and very quickly they begin to ask those same questions about what does it actually mean to be God's people? How do we know that we are in a right relationship with God? How do we know that our sins have been paid for? And with passion and with clarity, Paul is going to answer those questions for the Galatians as well as for us. So a little bit of background, this book was written about 15 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so about 15 years after the event that we celebrated last Sunday, this letter was written to people in need of a reminder about this good news. But more than a letter from an apostle to a church many years ago, this is a letter to you and a letter to me. Some people look at the density of the language and the complexity of the language and see the book of Galatians only as a treatise on the doctrine of justification, which it is, but it's not all that it is. This is a pastoral letter about how we can be sure that we are right before a holy and righteous God. With all of our fears and failures and mistakes, how do we know for sure that we are okay with God's holy and righteous demands? What must we do in order to be saved? And the book of Galatians starts right from the very first verses answering that question for us. So let's dive in to this book together. Chapter 1 verses 1 through 5 says this, Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who were with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and father, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, if you were like me, when I was a younger believer, I would see these greetings that Paul is is likely to do in a lot of his books. And I would kind of skip past these. I wanted to get to the meat of the letter. And so all these, hey, how you doings? All these, hey, this is Paul the Apostle writing another letter. That didn't really interest me. I thought the meat of the letter was later on. And as I begin to study the word of God and mature, I begin to realize that every single word of God in the Bible is worth it, is worth reading, is worth understanding, is worth taking a moment to ask, God, what are you saying? And Paul's introductions are no exception. And here we have a very familiar formula from Paul. And most of his letters that he wrote two thirds of the New Testament. And so in most of his letters, he starts his books the same way. 
Paul saying who he is, an apostle or a servant or an ambassador of Christ, giving some title for himself. And then he writes to whom he's writing to, to the church of Colossae, to the Ephesians, and now here to the Galatians. But in every single intro that he's, he writes, you see a little bit of a foreshadowing about where he's going. And in verses three and four and five, we actually get the entirety of the letter. In these three short verses, Paul is going to unpack for us what, where he's going in the rest of this book. So let's take a moment and pause right here and see what he has to say to us. It says, grace to you and peace from God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean? Is that just a Christian cliche that grace and peace to you? What is Paul beginning to do right here? Right now, Paul is going to unpack the fullness of the good news of Jesus Christ. And it starts with the words peace. What does it mean to have peace with God? If God, who is holy and perfect, who has given us a law calling us to be also holy and perfect, that puts us at odds because I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect. I mess up daily. And so how can we have peace with a God who is perfect and also demands perfection? Well, Paul's going to get to that peace from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. Right there, we get the immediate good news of the gospel that we don't have to pay for our sins, that Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins. Once again, the truth that we celebrated just last week, that Jesus Christ paid the penalty of death, suffered the pangs of hell and rose with all power in his hands. Paul is saying that sacrifice that Jesus made is what paid for our sins. But he's not done yet with the good news. Not only did he pay for our sins, but he came to rescue us from this present evil age. Not only does Christ pay for our sins and restore our relationship with God the Father, but he rescues us from the evil all around us. He rescues us from the evils that plague our relationship with others and in creation itself. God only, he not only saves us from our sin, but he rescues us from the effects of the sin in us and those around us. And so in these first few verses, we see that Paul is laying out a case that really the entire book of Galatians is about. And if I had to sum it up, this entire book is not only captured right here, but it's really about three words that the entire book of Galatians is about. That's faith, freedom, and love. The entire book of Galatians can be summed up for me in three words, faith, freedom, and love. And we get a glimpse of that right here. We see that faith in Jesus is what saves us. We're going to see shortly that that gives us freedom from the law. And then Paul is going to end this letter showing how we ought to be givers and dispensers of that love which we have received from God the Father. Faith, freedom, and love, what the book of Galatians is about. And so let's dive into chapter verses 6 through 10, where we're going to spend the majority of our time. Here, Paul is going to begin a strong and fierce and passionate case to remind the Galatians about what is of most importance. Verse 6, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Right from the get-go, we hear this strong language. I am amazed is kind of Christian shorthand for I can't believe. I can't believe you would do this. I know some of you have experienced this feeling of I can't believe you would do this thing that I told you explicitly not to do. Amen, parents. Right. We give clear instructions. We give clear guidance. We ask if there are any questions. And yet the moment we turn away, they're doing what we told them not to do. And so Paul here is saying, I am amazed. 
I was just visiting with you, teaching you and exposing and expositing the gospel of Jesus Christ to you, what Jesus has done, but you have so quickly turned away. So the question is, what were the Galatians turning away from? Verse eight, talking about this other gospel, it says, but even if we or an, an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be upon him. As we have said before, I say now again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. For am I now trying to persuade people or God? Am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, that seems a little complicated. What is Paul saying? He's talking about pleasing people and another gospel. What is he saying here? He's saying simply this, that the gospel of Jesus Christ, this good news of what Jesus has accomplished is very simple. And we have a tendency as humans, don't we, to try to complicate things that are very simple. We have a tendency to add layers to things that are very plain. And Paul is saying, fight that temptation, whether it comes from you or from others. We're going to find out in the coming weeks that there was actually a group of people who were saying that no justification by faith alone or being made right with God by faith in Jesus alone is not enough. You've got to do certain things. You've got to perform in certain ways. You've got to uphold these rules and believe in Jesus in order to be saved. And Paul is saying right now, even if me or an angel were to come and add something to the gospel, that person should be accursed. We learn something powerful from this statement. Church, and I want you to hear this, that we believe the truth, not because it was delivered by a man or because a man that we respect even, because it was delivered by the word of God. And so the question that I begin to ask myself is, how do I know the gospel is really good news? How do I know what Jesus Christ did for me? Did I read the Bible for myself and understand it? Or am I just assuming what I've heard from others is true? I know for many years of my life before I became a believer, most of what I didn't like about Christianity wasn't what I knew for myself, but was what I heard from other people. And Paul is saying, don't trust in me or even an angel if they were to tell you something that went against what God has revealed in his word. If anyone preaches another gospel, let that person be accursed, even if it is an angel. And so the question that we want to make clear in our minds and the answer is, what is the gospel? If this gospel is so important, if it's so essential that even if I or an angel were to preach something different, that person would be cursed. It seems important that we get clear on what this good news is. Once again, we have to look just from the verses above. The good news is simply this, that God is holy and perfect. And he demands that anyone who were to be in relationship with him be holy and perfect. Now that command and that decree automatically condemn the entire human race. And so God gave a law, not so that we could be made right with him, but so that we could see how far we are off. You see, the measuring stick of God's commands isn't so that we can be made righteous. It's to show us that we are wholly unrighteous. I was talking, um, I remember talking to, to my son just the other day, and I remember some of the things that my parents used to say to me that I kind of find myself saying to them. Um, and one of those things is, when, when can I do this? My son is asking, when can I do this? When can I do this? And my mom used to always say to me, oh, you can drive when pigs fly. Right. You can do this when, you know, this impossible thing happens. And it wasn't so that we, I could one day look out and see that one day pigs will fly. It was to realize that it was impossible, that this thing would never happen. And so sometimes we look at these laws and commands of Scripture. We look at them as possible to keep. And if only we kept enough rules, God would accept us. If only if we kept enough laws, God would accept us. Because the Bible says if we do these things, we will be made right with God. 
But you see, that command is like my mom saying, when pigs fly, you can have the car keys. It's God telling us, if you can be perfect, then okay, then I'll accept you on the merits of your perfection. It's not so that we can try to attempt these things. It's to show us our need for a savior. You see, for thousands of years, the Jewish people and the Israelites tried to keep God's law and time and time again, they failed and they fall short. Just like we try to do the right thing outside of Christ and we fall short. But what is the answer then? If, if perfection is the standard to be in a right relationship with God and we've been given the standard and none of us are able to keep it, then what is the answer to our soul's problem? That's why this news is called good news, because God didn't leave us in that state. He himself came down in the form of a man, Jesus, lived a perfect life that we should have lived, died a criminal's death that we should have died, and then rose with all power in his hands, proving that he was who he said he was. And then he took that righteousness that he earned by keeping all of the law and being the fulfillment of the law and giving it to us for all who would put their trust in him. And so Paul is saying what is needed is not a keeping of the law. That's not good news, because who can keep all the rules and commands of even our own lives? Even when I was an unbeliever, I had my own set of rules. Maybe you do, too. We kind of said, OK, this is the line that I'm not going to cross. I'll lie, cheat and steal, but I'm not going to skip school like that's that's too far. Um, I'm not going to do this thing. And that's too far. Even the morality that we make up for ourselves by ourselves, we can't keep. We end up breaking our own laws and our own commands and our own moral stances. So all of us have broken God's law. And if, if that was the way to be right with God, all of us would be damned. But Paul is telling us to stay fixed on the good news that Jesus died for us, that he paid our penalty so that we don't have to. And look at verse 10. This is not an unrelated truth. Look at verse 10 again. It says, for am I now trying to persuade people or God? Am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul here is saying that this gospel, this good news seems almost too easy. That if I was really trying to gather a crowd, if I was really trying to be a popular person, I would be declaring a different message. I'll be declaring that you don't have to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You don't have to do these things. We find out that although this is good news, it's not always popular news. It's not always popular news for us to say that we have to surrender all that we are and all that we live for in order to receive something greater in Jesus. It's not always popular news, but it's good news. And Paul is saying that I'm not seeking to be popular with people. I'm seeking to be a servant of Christ. And so this first few chapters is really going to set the tone for the rest of this book that there is no other gospel. There is no other means by which men and women may be saved and made right with God. And so I know many of you are saying, Phil, I, I know this already. That's, that's why I'm watching this on a Sunday morning is because I've trusted in Jesus Christ. Well, before we look down on the Galatians for quickly turning away from the truth, I want to ask us a question that may prick our hearts and remind us that we all do this. The simple question is, what have you added to the gospel this week? What have you added to the gospel this week? You see, this love that God is talking about in Galatians chapter 1 is an otherworldly love. There is no standard. There is no one who has experienced an unconditional love like Jesus offers. And so maybe it was your home life, how you grew up, that you were taught from a young age that if you wanted to be accepted, you have to perform. Maybe it's your, your marriage right now that only if you do the right things will you be loved. 
Maybe it's a corporate environment that has trained you that performance is all that matters. And those pressures and those truths from the outside world encroach upon our hearts and pull and tug us away from the truth every single day. And we feel like we've got to earn God's love after we've already received God's love. We feel like, oh, I messed up on Saturday, so my prayers are going to be a little bit quieter, a little bit timid. I don't feel like I can read the Bible today because of what I did yesterday. I don't feel like I can share the gospel with a friend today because I'm not living right today. I feel like I can't pray big, bold prayers because I haven't measured up. I feel like I've got to serve enough to outweigh my sins. I feel like I've got to give enough so I can outweigh my sins. You see, even as Christians, as those who have experienced the goodness of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ, we always have to remind ourselves that we are prone to add to the gospel every single day. There is something in us that tells us if you want to be safe, you've got to work for it. If you really want to be loved, you've got to earn it. If you really want to be secure in Jesus, you've got to make your position secure by by secure, by showing up your efforts. What Jesus Christ did for us is good, but to really be safe, I've got to make sure that I'm doing enough. And that's something that we all wrestle with. That is human nature, because that is what we have been taught that love really is. That there is a line that you can cross that no matter how much someone loves you, they will cut you off. There's a line that you can cross that no matter how much someone says they will do for you, they will walk away from you and they will turn their back on you. And that is the human condition. We have all experienced that all love comes with limits. All love comes with a a line in the sand that you cannot cross. And here Jesus is giving us a gospel, a good news that says there is no line. I knew what I was getting when I died on the cross for you and I still wanted you. I knew who I was paying for when I decided to shed my blood on the cross and I still want you. You see, the good news of Jesus Christ is so beyond our capabilities to imagine that even those who spent time with Paul as he preached to them and talked to them at least twice. The moment that he went away, their human nature took over. They said, well, maybe we've got to add something to it. I know, I know that Jesus died for my sins, but maybe I've got to also do my part. God did his part, so now I've got to do my part. That's not the gospel. And for many of you who have walked away from the church, you have felt the sting of not being good enough. You have felt the sting of looking around and seeing these people seem like they have it all together. I don't belong here. And I would say to you today that not only do you belong here, but you have met the one prerequisite for the gospel. That's realizing that you actually do need a savior. A great preacher once said that God only saves bad people. He only saves the worst of the worst. He only saves people who need a savior. Jesus said it like this, that I have not come to those who think they are well, but to those who know they are sick. And so what disqualified you from going to church before was really the thing that qualified you from being a member of God's family is realizing that I'm not good enough. I'm not perfect. I'm not as good as those around me may seem. And that alone qualifies you for salvation. And on the other side of experiencing God's grace, we have to remind ourselves every single day that we should not add anything to the gospel, although we want to. Although we feel like it's right, I feel like I've got to work for it. I feel like I've got to earn it. I feel like I've got to deserve it. That is not the good news of Jesus Christ. That is not what Jesus preaches. That is not what Paul is reminding the Galatians. And so through many chapters, through many examples, we're going to see as we journey through this book what it means to follow Jesus. 
what it means to not work for love, but to work from love? What does it look like to submit rather than to strive? What does it look like to believe and have faith rather than to earn and work for it? You see the book of Galatians, as I said earlier, it's about faith, freedom, and love. And those are being presented in the very first verses because Paul wanted to be clear and the word of God wants to be clear about what the good news of Jesus is. Now, there's lots of questions that we've got to answer. Where does works play into the salvation? How then should I live my life differently because of what Christ has done for me? What about other competing ideologies? What about the Old Testament laws and commands? What do all these questions mean? What do I do with all these things? And Paul is going to answer systematically each one of those questions and concerns. So if you have those questions, if you're thinking, okay, what do I do now? Tune in, stick around, because as we walk through the book of Galatians, Paul and the word of God is going to address these questions, instructing us how we're to live in this life and what truths we are to hold on to. But the one truth I want you to hear today is the truth presented clearly in chapter 1, verses 1 through 10, is that there is no other gospel. There is no other good news. There is no other love like the love experienced by Jesus for those who put their faith and trust in him, not from a place of working and striving and earning, but from a place of resting, believing, and being loved. Would you trust in him today? Even if you are a Christian, would you again trust in his work today, not so that you can complete what he started, but so that you would allow him to complete in you what he started? Thank you for joining our family in North Charleston as we heard God's word preached today. We would love to connect with you. You can find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us a message to learn more about what Radiant Church is doing or support the vision of Radiant Church at radiantcharleston.com giving.